Hello, and welcome to the Loft Gathering Podcast. We are excited to welcome you to our authority series. We will be talking about the contents of our mind, mouth, attitude, and life actions, and how these are the staples to further understand our authority in God's kingdom. Get ready to have your thinking challenged and your faith turned up. Here's Lisa. Just to say, welcome to church. Sunday's a great day. And we're going to do our offering. You know, I've got one. I've got a teaching today. You guys are so happy we're reading through Corinthians and Paul is bold as a lion in his writings. Man, this one even convicted me. Tell you what, this morning, I, not that I'm the standard by conviction, but this, I was just like, wow, God, what are you trying to say? And I was reading some of the, uh, this is on version on the app, and we're reading the New Testament through in a year. If you want to read it, we're only, you know, come on, man, we're in Corinthians. You know, we're getting ready to go into 2 Corinthians. Well, we still got a little bit of Corinthians to go. We are in 2 Corinthians. I knew that. I only read it every day. But go and see Scott, and he'll get you in the group, and you can be in the group chat. And today, well, this is yesterday's, and I'm going to read you just a little snippet, and then I'm going to read you a little bit of yesterday's and today's. And here's the thing. We think these stories are about different things than they're about. These stories are about giving. The subtitle at the top says, an appeal to complete the collection. For what? If you remember a couple weeks ago, Paul is saying, um, is a workman worthy of his wage, or is it just me and Barnabas who shouldn't get paid for what we do? Remember, we were talking about that, and I was like, I'm not going to tell it to my church. And the Holy Spirit was like, oh, yes, you are. You know why? Because we're, we're linking arms here. We are in the beginning of things here. We are starting things here. You know, if you're in here this morning, you're probably a leader. You think, I'm not a leader. You probably are. If you're sitting in a church that is just starting, that is in, in toddler ages, you are probably a leader. And God is going to press into you and show you and reveal to you his strength in you, made perfect through your what you think is a weakness. And it's going to be powerful. But all these things are about giving. Giving for what? Well, I told you a few weeks ago, we have enough groceries to do one or two more um, food distributions. But I see many, 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 many more food distributions coming. Where's that money going to come from? Oh, that'd be from us. And we're going to figure out a way to do it, whether it's another you know, burger stand outside. Angie, get ready, man. She can make some burgers. Mama can cook. I mean, it's going to be good. Right out here, we'll do that. We'll have pancake breakfast. We'll do whatever we have to do to get the food into the hands of the people. You know, we're making decisions now. We have some money saved for a front porch. Well, it didn't fall down yet. We might feed some people first. I don't know. I'm just talking off the top. My team's going, what, what, what? Uh, But I'm just thinking, what are we going to do? What did God put us here for? Yeah, I want the outside to be pretty. I really do. But I'd rather have somebody fed. So this is what I'm thinking. We're going to see what's going to happen. But I believe God can get us fed and make the outside pretty at the same time. Because I know how many cattle he owns. All of them. I, I know how many dollars he has. All of them. And I know how he moves on the hearts of saints. Powerfully. And I want that. So anyway, Paul's talking. Hey, we want you to know about the grace of God that was granted to the church in Macedonia. This isn't in the notes. I just decided to do it this morning. And this is from uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 1, if you want to look at it later. And you should. You should look at this and say, is our pastor whack? Or is that really true, what God was saying right there? And I think you should make a determination in your own heart that these things are about giving. And they're challenging us as people, as the ministers of God. And he says something, something pretty cool right here. In verse 2, during a severe testing... During a severe testing, 
by affliction, the church of Macedonia says their abundance of joy came through a severe time of testing and affliction. Their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed. Can you say abundance of joy and deep poverty? Those things can happen at the same time. Abundance of joy and deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. In other words, everybody put a little something in, and it made a lot. During a time of affliction, during severe testing, during poverty. And Paul is bragging about it. And if you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'll just go down to like verse 3. Paul is writing again. He, he's just, just before this, he said, I'm bragging about you guys, about the gifts of your generosity and what you've done. This is not a rich town that he's calling on. You know, look around the room. Everybody in here isn't just like, you know, exorbitantly wealthy. We are wealthy with relationship and the spirit of God and anointing. But man, you know, what, are, what what's in your wallet is what I'm saying. We have done so many great things with what's in our wallet here. It's amazing putting it all together. And he's been bragging about the giving of generosity the last time they were there. And this time he says, verse 3, I sent the brothers so our boasting about you in that matter would not prove empty. And so you would be prepared, just as I said. Prepared for what? To give your money when I get there. That's what he said. Pastors only want your money. That's not true. Pastors want your whole soul. They want your entire essence and your entire being. They want your body serving. They want your heart engaged in worship. And then, yeah, your money would help get the mission out. We're going we're gonna to do it with or without you and you. With me, without me. With me, without me. Okay? It's going to happen. So I can, I can see it in the spirit. Okay, then I sent my brothers so that my boasting about you wouldn't prove empty and they would be prepared for if any Macedonians come with me to find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be embarrassed in that situation. And I thought, man, I never want to be embarrassed about the gift that I give God, how small it might be, how insignificant it might be to me. And so I'm, I'm like moving toward this place, like how can I give sacrificially? You know, I mean, we can teach on tithing all day long. You want to give on the gross, you want to give on the net. I was reading from the, uh, what's that one we do in Sunday school, Rick? What's that version? The Holman, HCSB, something like that. That's what I was reading from. It's a study Bible. It's, it's the one Paul used. You're going to like it a lot. So that was a, that was a joke. Um, but anyway, yeah, you're going to find that these, these things do ring true in your heart and life. And let's let God challenge us. It's not like you can outgive him. I remember days when I would just be so challenged in my giving. I would be challenged to give, you know, um, a, a tithe. Say so back in the day, I remember like electric bills were like $60 or something, 62 And our tithe was 62 And we thought, man, God must be wanting us to pay this electric bill with this. And that's how we reasoned it out in our brain. But really, it was God testing, you know, testing. What will you do now if it looks like it might belong there? And God started to provide for us. Look, we're not sitting here like kings or any, by any means. But our needs are met. Got a nice car. Got a gorgeous house. Beautiful family. I mean, you know, it takes a lot to make this hair happen, I'm just going to say. But God provides for us supernaturally. We live in the miraculous. We go on vacations that in, in the natural you would think we couldn't even afford to do. And it's not like we go and just eat you know, five and $600 dinners. We only did that on Scott's birthday by accident. 
But, but it's like we, we don't do that, but we, all, we always end up on top because we're in the economy of God. Can you just whisper that economy of God? Can you let that like mull around in your brain that you could be out of the work of the flesh? Yeah, go to work, earn your money. Everyone does that. Get your paycheck. And then what? See if you can't connect with God. Okay, I'm done with that. Thank you, Jesus, for your good word. Thank you for your heart that overlooks every, every flaw and that, and that responds to the heart cry. God, we want to please you. We want to be near you. We want to be in the breasty one, God, in your very opinions. We want to be snuggled in, God, that when it's time to come out, we're ready to be bright and shiny lights in the middle of this city. God, we speak life to it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you want to give, you can see Angie. She's got a little her little device back there, the square, or you can get on Givelify. Whatever's in your heart to do, do it with cheer. If you're grumpy about it, please don't do it today. That's just like throwing it in the bucket. Wait for God to speak to your heart and then connect your heart to your giving. Okay? That's good preaching right there, Lisa. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, I was talking about rest, internal rest, and on the inside, not the kind that the world gives you, work five days a week and then get your weekend. I'm not talking about that kind. I'm talking about the kind that Jesus gives. The kind of peace that Jesus gives is way on the inside. It's deep. It's sustaining. It settles us down. My peace I give you, not as the world gives, but my peace I give you. And that's something I feel like, you know, when I, when I speak a message, I don't know if you're like this. It could just be me. But every time I preach something, I inevitably am tested on what I just said as soon as I leave here and it, and the rest of the week as well. I mean, if we talk about something like your words, I find myself, you know, saying some kind of blunder word that I probably shouldn't have said. And I'll be like, mm, I can feel that conviction. Or, you know, if we're talking, whatever we're talking about, and God knows I'm not going to preach on patience right now. I can tell you that because there will be a test. There will be something that comes to, to test this word. And I don't like that. But I know that it's necessary for growth. And I understand that. Like I already said, you're, you're probably a leader if you're sitting in here and if you're drawn here. Eventually, this thing will just com- continue to happen. This church, this, this venue will, will continue to grow and increase because you will continue to grow and you will continue to increase. And your influence will become exponential in every direction. Every single person in here has a sphere to reach. And so when you're hearing these words and then you're going through the testing, that's the part where you're growing. That's the part where people are observing your life, your walk. You are an ambassador of Christ. Every person in here is a minister. It is not just the pastor's job to go and fill these seats and to go and make disciples. I'm making disciples of every one of you. You are my letter. My work is written on your heart. You're the very evidence that I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. Who is the evidence that you are an apostle of Jesus Christ? Because you have influence and you have a sphere and it's waiting for you. It's waiting for you to speak something, something life-giving, something daring, something bold, something that might change the course of someone's life to heaven. What about that? Ooh. Well, the thing we've been talking about is authority. And why would God put his authority on people and in people? It's a mystery, but it's a beautiful one. Why would God trust us to to carry the keys of the kingdom of heaven? But he does. 
And so sometimes we're so awkward. I mean, I, I end up in just so much repentance, like, God, please forgive me for just the carelessness with which I tried to carry your presence or your word or, or your meeting or whatever it was. And, and I think repentance is always a cure. But God will come back with grace. And he'll season you again with his love and his goodness. And he'll remind you to get back out there and do some good for the good of his kingdom, right? That he might be glorified. So we've been talking about authority in a lot of different venues, authority to take every thought captive, authority to bring down strongholds and a demonic presence, authority to speak peace into a situation. And I love all that stuff. Look, we can have deliverance. That's fine. I would rather you have a, a, a mind that can go and seek what the scripture is saying and then a heart to engage yourself with the presence of God and then see God as your deliverer rather than me. If you need me to pray for you, I'm ready, willing, and able to do that. I'm happy to do that. But I believe we grow up and we get real freedom when it's just us and Jesus in the living room floor at home. That's the place that it takes place, right? Am I making sense? I feel like I'm rambling like a like a, we're having a family meeting this morning and just having a good talk. So we, we come around to this conversation about rest, you know, having authority to rest. And how do how is that tried? I don't know if you know this, but last Monday, after we just I just preached on rest the week before, Jeannie comes in and talks about structure. I'm like, okay, I'm structured to rest. I'm postured. Here we go. And I get in my car on Monday morning with my middle daughter, Christy, my little granddaughter, Ava, in tow. That's eight hours in the car to Tennessee to Pigeon Forge to see my husband. I haven't seen him in a week. And it's a two-year-old. She didn't cry one time. It was glorious. I'm like, this is going to be a great week. We get to the cabin. It's fun. Scott's there. He's got some of his biker friends. You know, it's all all set up for, you know, just, it's, it's been a biker pad for the last week. So, you know, we find place for ourselves. We've got a room that's clean. We brought some food in. You know, they all made fun of us for how much luggage we had, whatever, you know. But we had a great time with meeting his friends and having fun. And then, so we've got Scott, the biker thing, his, going, his biker buddies are there. And then he's also got his car shows that he's doing. So he's in and out of the house. I've got Ava. Now, she's pretty constant. She can be on your hip, like, the whole time. You know, she's two. And then, and then Scott's mom and dad, God, love them. They showed up, you know, and so now we've got several different things going on in this house where I'm supposed to be resting. And by about the third day, I was getting crabby in my rest. And I was thinking, man, this is not a very good rest. And I went and I, but I just, here's, here's me. I know how to act. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I know how I'm supposed to be and what I, you know, I know how to handle myself. I know the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And I know that self-control will bring rest. So I know how to shut my mouth and I know how to just endure it, you know, until I can't anymore. And then, you know, it's like that steam, the steam hit, hit blow and it's ready to go. And I didn't really like have a huge meltdown. I was just like, Scott, I'm going to kill you if I don't get out of here pretty soon because I love your friends. But if I have to cook one more thing for them, I'm going to kill I'm just kidding. I mean, for the most part, I love all that stuff. I love to feed people, but I'm like, I get, I gotta get out of here. And so here's the thing. This might be the weirdest statement, but if you are going to have rest, you are going to have to fight for rest. Because every obstacle that it has to get done today will come flying at you, you know. So um, we've already made a dedication. I love my friend Christine's post. She's gotten this revelation about a Sabbath rest and taking, you know, taking it pretty seriously. I saw you post something about, well, I have to work on Saturday, and that's fine. I'll make my in intentional Sabbath tomorrow, and I'll rest. And it, that's great. I love that. My intentions are always to do that, too, and I know that yours are as well. So if we want to have a rest, 
we're going to have to fight for it. That's what I'm saying, and that's what I'm getting to. Last time I preached about this, a couple weeks ago, Mark 6.31. You probably remember everything I said, so, you know, this repetition might be boring for somebody. But for me, I'm going to go ahead and put this down in my spirit again so that I might actually find a moment this week to rest. Mark 6.31, the guys were on a crusade with Jesus. They're healing, they're feeding, they're casting out the devil. They're, they're doing all kinds of cool stuff. Verse 31, this is right after they fed the multitude. Because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. So he, Jesus, said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now, how are you going to do that, guys, if you bring your phone? I'm just going to ask you. Nope. Not bringing my phone. Did I silence it? Make sure I silenced it so it can't get me. How am I going to do that? If, I am, if I'm sitting where anyone can see me from the front window, my front window is glass, so I go in the back room so no one can see me if anybody knocks on the door. I lock the inside door because people have codes to my, this is if I'm in my, in my house. And this is what I do. And every morning I get this little slice of heaven, this little place of meditation. And God, what do you want to say to me today? I stop and I pause and I'm going to be quiet before you. At the spiritual intensive, we're going to be practicing the office of silence. It's, it's, we're terrible at it. We are terrible at it. I have learned to keep a little piece of paper and a little pen right next to me so that it, because your mind wants to just rabbit trail while you're trying to be quiet before your Lord God and you're thinking about, man, I better take the trash out. And you think that's not holy, but it's actually God ordering your day. Just write that down and you'll never think of it again in the, in the quiet time. And then you go back into it. This will happen, I don't know, depending on your life and how busy you are, seven to 20 times. It takes about five minutes write them down. And they'll stop plaguing you because now you have it. It's ready. I don't do this every day, only when I'm overwhelmed and a little stressed, like now in my life. Is this ministering to anybody except for me? Look, we do Bible study all the time. We're constantly in scripture. You know, we're constantly pouring over the word here. We have great Sunday school teaching. We break it down verse by verse. Today, we're having a chat. We're having a talk that will make disciples out of Christians, that will make us powerful in what we believe. If you remember that scripture in Hebrews, who enters the rest? Do you remember that one from a couple weeks ago? Those who believe enter rest. Because everybody hears the message, but everybody doesn't believe. Everyone can hear about Jesus. Some people think the Bible is outdated, that it's not real anymore. I was reading something the other day. I read a lot of psychology stuff. And I was reading about how high school students, by and large, know that the Bible is a, a fictional document. Oh, and everybody knows that's not true. How could you put your hope and faith in that? And it's like, woo, Jesus, show them your glory because only you can. You know, how do you know? Man, there's something experiential about it. You know, there's something about like when there's chaos and you turn on worship. Now, you can turn on Netflix and you can, you can make your anxiety level go through the roof depending on what show you watch. Or you can turn on worship and you can change the atmosphere for good. How does that happen? What is happening? It's just a song. Because I can play John Mayer, which I thoroughly enjoy, but it doesn't do the same thing to me that oceans might do. Why is that? There's something about speaking and singing and saying the word of God that causes our soul to actually rest, to come all the way down. Even when we're singing these songs this morning, I was just like, yeah, this is like medicine. This is like, this is a healing balm for my soul. And I was drinking it in and just letting God's presence wash on me. You know, then letting him, and then he speaks to me. Come in. You know why you're still aggravated and feel the rain? Because you're not in. You got to get close enough 
so that those things don't aggravate you anymore. Anyway, all of that to say, we talked about this internal rest, and I told you guys a couple weeks ago, you know, there's times when I can just be tracking along and, and everything's fine. I can hear God tell me to go left, tell me to go right, tell me who to contact, tell me who to give something to, tell me who to have in my home, tell me where to go, tell me where to go speak, which things to accept, which things not to accept, you know, who to reach out to. And, and sometimes it's like that, you know, and it's just, it's just like an awe and a wonder. But I can get used to that where I expect that to happen, and then I almost take that for granted, you know. But then there's times where I just keep on doing the right thing because God seems quiet. He seems more quiet. He seems like he's not, God is never distant. He's always close. He's inside. But there are times that we can't perceive that. And when that happens, I just keep on going, keep on doing what I, what I know is the right thing to do. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. Because if you have internal rest, you're going to get that through believing God. But an external rest you're going to get from, do you remember, two weeks ago? Self-control. You're going to get an external rest from self-control. You have authority over your rest. No one is going to do that for you. Think of a mom. A mom has authority over her kid's rest. Now my kids, my kids who are raising their kids now would say, no, those babies sleep whenever they darn well feel like it. And I know that's true, but there's something about the fight in a mom. When you know your baby needs a rest, you'll fight it out. until Let them cry it out, whatever you got to do. Carry them around till they drop. And then you're in charge of them resting. But as you grow and you become an adult, you know who's in charge of your rest? You are. And no one is going to do that for you. And so what happens to us is we get crabby and complaining and fault-finding and murmuring and, you know, hideous. It's like there's no glory for God when we get that far removed from our rest. And we have authority to ourselves to rest, right? Yeah, I see you laughing over there. I hear you. So here's, here's Jesus. You know, we were talking just a little bit a couple weeks ago, too, about how Jesus is praying in the garden until he sweats drops of blood, okay? Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. I'm sure it was a lot more passionate than what I just said. I'm sure he was grabbing onto stones. What are you doing that you're sweating blood? That's an intense self-control. I know it's coming. I'm going to face it anyway. And he sweats these drops of blood, right? Man, it's like Jesus said he despised the cross. Here, look at, look at what Paul said about it in Hebrews. Looking to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame of it, and sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. Well, look, Jesus was was God in a man, right? Another way to say that might be Jesus was a man full of God. What are you? You're you're a human filled with God, filled with his presence, filled with the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you. Jesus did a lot, and he didn't do it in the flesh. We can do a lot, but a work of the flesh isn't going to cut it, not for you and not for anybody who's looking to you to find any any measure of faith. But we can do a lot of things, God or man. It's Christ in you is the hope of glory. So, look, I'm going to talk about self-control, and I'm going to give us some practical tips that nobody's going to enjoy, but everybody will grow if they, if they take it to heart. 
and practice it. But before I do that, I just, I just want us to understand, here's your takeaway. Does anybody like homework? Do you like something you can grab on? Nobody likes homework. Jesus, help everybody to like homework. Everybody loves application. Thank you, Julie. One person likes homework. The rest of you will do your homework, though, because you will not be graded by me, but you will be graded in eternity, okay? So the homework is this. When you leave here, I want you to refuse to let the devil bug you. Refuse to let him have your peace, your standing, your words, your gestures, you know, I didn't say anything. Refuse to let him have a foothold in your life because it'll give you peace. Don't let him have, you know, like you're looking at people. You can't let the, the thing that someone's doing ruin your grace and peace. You've got to learn to see through the eyes of the spirit. The behavior behind, the spirit behind the bad behavior is what you have authority to cast down. And bring down in any sphere that you walk into and live in. How do you keep it? Look, behavior modification is the beginning. So here, here's what I'm getting to, all right? Romans 12, 18, as far as it depends on you, what? Be at peace with everybody. As long as it depends on you. Do your part. You know, God didn't say do your part when it's your turn. Well, God, I always have to. <laughs> well, I'm always the first. I always have to say it first. I always have to come for Well, God didn't say when it's your turn, be a peacemaker. He said, as far as it's up to you. And I'll just say, the bigger Christian will be first to repent, to get low, to apologize. And they won't do it in a way that makes you know that they're the bigger Christian. Because they got that peace on the inside that comes from Jesus where you already know. So this kind of stuff, if you can guard these things, I'm telling you, you're going to have peace and you're going to have rest externally. Because I don't know how you do your, your stuff, but like if I want to go take a nap and I got a bunch of chaos, I can't. If my house is destroyed and messy, I can't just lay down and rest. I have to go do it first. I have to. So what does that mean? We have to learn to order our days. We have to. We have to learn to get authority over our dirty apartments and our dirty houses, don't we? We have to learn that that's our domain and we have authority over it. And to keep it nice and to keep it ordered so we can rest. If we don't rest, we're not pleasant. Without rest, you get grumpy. You, you, you start to have a short temper. You know, everyone can see, man, why don't you get it? Why don't you probably need a day spa? You know, you probably need, why don't you go, why don't you go do something different with your day so you can come back and be the joy of the Lord and so you can be the city on a hill. And so when you're speaking life, people want to accept what you're saying fully because you're rested, right? Okay, so here they are. You got to determine in your heart to be a peacemaker. Determine in your heart that you are a man or a woman of peace, not by your strength or not by the peace the world gives, but by God's by the authority appointed to you as the ambassador of Christ to carry peace and rest. Number one, stop having the last word. Just stop. You know, Proverbs is full of scriptures that say, if you enter an argument with a fool, you become a fool. It doesn't matter. There's certain people you can have conversations with until you are out of breath, and they're still not going to buy into what you're saying. We don't have vain arguments. We don't have to have the last word. Because you know who has the last word? Jesus. <laughs> Isn't this fun? 
Number two, stop gesturing to take the place of a word. Listen, I love that. You know, a couple weeks ago, we always talk about road rage because it's such a common thing. Jeannie totally talked about it last week, which I love that when a guest speaker gets in our vein. But it also is speaking to us about our lives when we're driving our cars, guys. You know, and God can see you. Those people can't hear you. Stop making gestures. You know what they are. Stop. Scott and I watched this movie. It's one of my favorite actors was in it. And it, it was about road rage. It might have even been called that. And it was just like a, it was a horrible movie. It was like a, a, if there's a B movie, this was like an F movie or a G. It was so bad. But the message was about watch who you're making gestures to on the road because this person was a psycho, you know, and chased him down and kept after him all day. And it's like, you don't need to do that. Don't invite trouble. You don't think the devil's roaming around like a lion seeking whom he might devour? You don't think he could use that to get you? Because he will. If you have any kind of faith or any kind of boldness, the devil's constantly trying to kill you. So welcome to church. Stop making gestures. Just stop. What is rolling your eyes a gesture? Mm-hmm. You know what else is a gesture? The silent treatment. Stop doing that. That is taking your joy. It's taking your peace. It's taken everything that you are, you know. Don't let it. That's your homework. Don't let the devil bug you this week. Third thing, stop having to tell people when they're wrong. You are not the guru of knowing, of knowledge of all things. You are not anyone's mother unless you are their mother, in which case do tell them if they're doing something wrong. You don't have to correct people. Yeah, actually, um, it goes like this. You know, well, you don't have to do that. You don't have to. Just forget about that. There's no peace in that. If you start taking something on, you start taking on something like you're fighting a fight that isn't your fight. Why would you do that? You know, unless it's taking up for a little child or someone who is in abuse or some kind of situation. By then, by if that happens by all means, you fight. That's the time to fight. That's the time to rise up in your authority. In the name of Jesus, when you say the name of Jesus, I mean, you're just bringing a whole kingdom into a situation that otherwise would fail, right? But if it's not your business, don't get in it. Just be like Kermit the Frog. That's none of my business. And just keep on going, okay? You can do it. Stop rolling your eyes, gritting your teeth, etc. All of those things steal your peace. All of those things are going to cause unrest. All of those things will give you portions of rest if you listen. Whew. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. If Jesus, you know, is the Lord. Look, there's something called the testing of the word. Remind me if Jesus is the Lord. That's where I'm at. There's a testing of the word. Do you know what that is? That's when we hear these things and we go home and then we're challenged to believe what we just learned. Because it doesn't look like that in our real lives. But we don't understand. It's not the word that's in error. It's our lives that are unordered. We try to take our life and add it to the gospel. That's not how it works, you know. We try, we try to take God, the whole kingdom of God, and we wrap it up into this little tiny thing, and we're like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll get a T-shirt. That'll be cool. It's not like that. You have to take your yourself as the little part and put yourself into the kingdom of God. And then it's expansive, and everything opens up before us. Well, why does God want to test us? Remember we talked about the Israelites a couple weeks ago. They didn't enter the rest because of their unbelief right? What if we caused God to marvel at our belief? What if we did that? What if we started to actually take him at face value? If we believed what his word said and then we acted on that, 
accordingly. Why are you preaching this again? Because we didn't get it the first time. Don't make me come and preach it again next week. Let's go ahead and, and digest this and take it in and understand. Man, if I'm irritable, maybe it's because I didn't rest. Look, why does God test us? That's what he said in Deuteronomy. Why'd they wander around for 40 years to be tested to see if they would stick with Jesus? And did they? No, but the next generation did. We talk about that too. Why does God test us? Listen, if you created everything, and I mean everything, and you created everyone, and then you made yourself come to earth in a human form to get to know the creation that you made because you loved it so much, and then you live a sinless life, you feed people, you heal people, you, you, you call kingdom things into place, you make the creation of the world known, you, you bring the word of God into people's hearts, you introduce the Holy Spirit to humanity, and then you're murdered on a cross, and then you come back to life, and you ascend into heaven and you leave the Holy Spirit to fill everybody's heart, you get to test whatever you want, honey, because you know what you bring to the table. You are the table. Matter of fact, you're the food on the table. You're serving it up, you're cleaning it up, and you're bringing another helping to those in need. Fresh bread from heaven and new wine. You can test whatever you want, whenever you want, because you're the king of kings. And it's for us to surrender to the test. Thank you for that test, God. Help me to pass it this time. Give me enough grace to understand that your, your, your grace is enough for me, that I can understand that I can succeed. I can overcome this obstacle. I don't have to stay in a broken down place full of stress and anxiety. I'm coming into your rest because I believe. Jesus is the Lord. Peace I leave with you. He's speaking. When your Lord is speaking, you might lean in. Peace I leave with you. It's my peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Stacey even said this this morning in worship. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. sooner than you think if you don't take a break because when you're burning the candle at both ends you're going to run out right God orchestrates us to work and rest we work more than we rest we work six days we rest one we work six days we rest one God made us to work to move to have our being in him he made us to be productive we're supposed to be we're supposed to be creative like he's creative but we have to rest and I know somebody will take this message 
if somebody who's lazy will take this message and think, oh, that's what I need. I need a message about rest. I'm going to go home and rest. I'm going to get some. <clears throat> I was going to say, I'm going to get some chocolate donuts. I'm going to go home and sit on the couch. I'm going to rest. That's not your message. Okay. I'm talking about the rest of God that comes on you. You know, you're supposed to live and move and breathe and be productive and create like your father creates. While you're standing here, I'm going to read to you reasons why it's important to get good sleep and good rest. And if you don't sleep, I'm going to pray over you. Because I'm going to tell you this. The last, well, last night I slept like a, a tiny infant that couldn't be moved or awakened because I was in my own bed with my own pillow. But the whole week before that, I slept on basically on a bag of marshmallows. And my whole back is just like, whoo, we can't do that. I need a little bit, a little bit more. And so when you sleep, there's something great that happens to you that restores your brain and your, your clarity of mind and your body. And we need that. What are you preaching about this on a Sunday morning for? Because I'm counting on you to carry the glory of God all week. And you've got to be awake to do that, right? Things that happen, you get sick less often. You're finding yourself a little run down. You probably need some rest and some good chicken soup. It's a rainy day. Get you some. Put your feet up. Helps you stay at a healthy weight if you get better sleep. You're not going to want junk food and your, your body, your metabolism, everything recuperates while you're sleeping at night. Remember? You lower your risk for serious health problems. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to talk about something that you get at a doctor's office. This is spiritual food for your soul right here. God owns every physician. I believe in medicine. I believe if God wanted us to, to fly, he would give us a brain so we could create an airplane and fly. God will give us medicine so that we can meet our needs physically. God will give us the sense to sit with a therapist if we need that. There's so many things like we, we try to get ourselves into this margin of Christian and we think that we can't enjoy anything that the world has to offer. Everything is ours. Everything is ours. Everything is our father's, you know. If you just try to put like a Jesus voodoo stamp on everything, maybe you're missing a little bit of rest that you could be getting. And I encourage you, take some rest. Do what you got to do to settle yourself down. Reduce your stress. Improve your mood. Think clearly. Do better at your school, better at work, and get along well with people. And that's the thing that we want to end up with. I want to have self-control that causes me to, I don't, I don't have to have the last word. I can be a peacemaker. I can look at the things that I am in authority over my own rest. I can look at these things and lay myself down. No one's going to do that for me. No one's going to turn off my phone for me. No one is going to set me apart except for me. And then I'm going to look to God. I'm going to come away with him to a quiet place and get some rest. Father, I just pray for everybody this morning. Would you guys pray with me? I just pray, God, that if anyone is having trouble with sleep, I pray that you, by your spirit, would help us to be wise in ordering our days. God, would you stir in us, Holy Spirit, the right moves, the right things we need to be doing to care for ourselves, that we might live a long life on this earth as your vessel, appointed, anointed, carrying treasure in these jars of clay. God, would you speak life to us, Father? Would you give restorative sleep to your people like your word promises, that the sleep of the righteous would be a blessing? I pray for sleep and dreams and restored minds and restored lives, that we're the carriers of your presence, God, and that we do it for your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Love you guys. See you next time. Thank you. 
thank you for joining us today. Remember to like and follow for the next installment of the Loft Podcast. If you want to be a partner with the Loft, you can give on Givelify.com. If you need more information, check us out on Facebook or at theloftgathering.com. And of course, join us 1030 Sunday mornings. Hope you have a great week. Till next time.